Hi, I'm Leslie Ludi, host of the Set Apart Podcast, biblical encouragement for women of all ages. I've really been enjoying our Biblical Mindset series, and I hope you have too. It's just been great to freshly unpack these truths and apply them to my life in new ways. And this week, I want to take just a slight detour and talk about keys to having a surrendered heart. Surrender is one of those key principles that God always brings me back to, and everything that we've been talking about in this series only works when it is an outflow of a heart that is fully surrendered to Christ. So I want to just take a fresh look at that this week. Before we jump in, I wanted to remind you that there are just a few weeks left to register for our 2023 Set Apart Conference. If you'd like to join us in Colorado, that's happening June 16th through 18th, and there are a few spots left if you want to join us for the in-person event. You can go to setapartgirl.com and click on Upcoming Events or click the link in this podcast description. If you can't make it to Colorado, we would love you to consider becoming a simulcast host of this event. Whether you just gather a couple of friends in your living room, or you pack an entire church, or you go on a girls' retreat, this is such a great way to impact the women in your life. Sometimes we have a burden for women in our lives, but we don't really know how to articulate that passion for the set-apart life. And so this is a great way. Hosting a simulcast and sharing these sessions with the women that you know is a great way to do that. And if you become a simulcast host, or if If you register for a simulcast, you'll have access to the conference for the rest of 2023, so you can just find a time that works the best for you. So again, click the link in this podcast description or go to setapartgirl.com for more info on that. Also, if you are looking to take a season or even just a week away from the cares of your daily life to sit at the feet of Jesus to go deeper in truth, consider joining us at Ellerslie this fall. We have a five-week fall program that still has space available, and we have a week long program that is happening August 12th through 18th. So this is just a program that is life-changing. And if you'd like to see student testimonies of just people who have walked through this training season at Ellerslie and how it's impacted their lives, click the link in this podcast description or go to ellerslie.com. We'd love to see you in Colorado this year and invest into your spiritual life. So let's look at keys to having a surrendered heart. I can clearly pinpoint the time when my relationship with Jesus Christ really became real, and it was the moment that I fully surrendered my life to Him. I had given my life to Christ at a young age and grown up in a Christian home and really did have a genuine relationship with Christ, but I never understood the concept of laying my life completely at His feet and letting Him have total control. And so when I was about 16 years old, that was when God began to show me that there was more to the Christian life than just praying and reading my Bible and going to church. I needed to give my life fully and completely to him. And that was a very scary decision. I remember it vividly, even though that was so long ago. I just remember all the different areas that he pinpointed that I was clinging to Was I willing to give him my future, my reputation, my friendships, my desire for marriage, all of these things that I was holding on to thinking I have to have these things or my future has to look like this for me to have happiness. He was asking me, are you willing to make me your all in all and give me total control so that I can have the pen so that I can write your story? And once I fully surrendered to him by his grace, it became just the catalyst of a deep, personal, intimate walk with him. Because when we haven't fully surrendered our lives to Christ, there is a barrier. We can only go so far in our relationship with him. But when he has access to every part of our life, when he has the freedom to do as he sees fit with every part of our life in our future, there is no hindrance to our intimacy with him. 
And I have found throughout my life, many, many times, God has brought me back to that place of surrender because surrender is not one of those things that we just do one time and then we're done with it. It is a daily process. As we've talked about the Apostle Paul saying, I die daily. And Jesus saying, if you desire to come after me to be my disciple, take up your cross daily and follow me. And that really is the principle of daily surrender, of daily putting our life in his hands and saying, Lord, I am fully available to you. My life is not my own. I've been bought with a price. I have found that the best way to know who we are is to understand who Jesus is and who we are in him. Understanding our position in Christ is critical. If we don't know who we are in Him, we're always going to be looking for fulfillment in the wrong places and in things that can never satisfy us. When we are content in Him, when we know who we are in Him, when He has total access to our lives, that is the key to a Christian life that really works. It's the key to a vibrant relationship with Christ, and it preserves us from making a lot of heartbreaking and foolish decisions where we're trying to seek that fulfillment and satisfaction outside of him. As I've mentioned before, one of the best ways to get to know who he is is to study his names and his nature all throughout scripture. But we also need to know what he says about us when we have fully given our lives to him. Knowing who he is is a really great first step to surrender because it's very hard to fully surrender and lay your life down at the feet of someone you don't really know and don't really trust. So if you feel that surrender to Christ is a struggle for you, I would really encourage you to study the names of Christ all throughout scripture, study the nature of God all throughout scripture, and know that the Bible is rich with understanding of who our God is. He doesn't keep himself aloof where we can't know who he is or know who we're surrendering to. But we really do need to dive into his word. We really need to understand who is this God that is asking for our life. And once we know him, we won't hesitate to surrender to him because he is love. He is good. He is faithful. He cannot be anything but faithful. I feel like the enemy often paints incorrect pictures, wrong, twisted pictures of the one we are surrendering to. He tries to skew who God really is. Maybe if you've had a rough relationship with your own father, he'll say, well, if God is a father, he's going to act like your earthly father. Or if you've been hurt and let down by people in the body of Christ, the enemy will attach God to that and say, well, it's God you know, that is going to do the same thing to you, or God has allowed this to happen in your life. You really can't trust him. I know for me, when I was 16 years old and and he was asking me to surrender my life to him, and I felt so clearly that he wanted me to lay my life completely at his feet. I had these fears of just sitting for the rest of my life in this rocking chair, looking out the window forlornly and just rocking my life away and just having no friends, no vision, no future, but just understanding that he cares for us. All of those pictures that the enemy paints are bogus. They are not true. They're just illusion because God cares for us. He loves us so much that he gave his only son just to redeem us. We can't even fathom his love for us. And the Bible says that he has good things planned for those who have fully surrendered to him. And he desires to give us a hope and a future. And so just as a starting point for surrender, I wanted to take a really quick look in scripture at who he says we are in him. When we fully surrender our lives to him, when he is living his life through us, when we are found in him, this is what he says about us. He says, we are loved. In Jeremiah 31, 3, he says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with loving kindness, I have drawn you. 
He says that we are royalty. In Psalm 45, 13 and 14, it says, The king's daughter is all glorious within. Her clothing is interwoven with gold. She will be brought to the king in colorful garments. He says that we are chosen. In Jeremiah 1, 5, it says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. He says that we are redeemed. In Ezekiel 16, 9, it says, I washed you in water. Yes, I thoroughly washed off your blood and anointed you with oil. I clothed you with fine linen and covered you with silk. He says that we are beautiful. In Psalm 45, 11, he says, The king will greatly desire your beauty because he is your Lord. Worship him. He says that we are valued. In 1 John 3, 1, he says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. And he says we are treasured. In the parable of the prodigal son, this is so clearly illustrated. It says, When he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran and fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said to the father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to the servants, Bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf here and kill it and let us eat and be merry for this my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. What a beautiful expression of how treasured we are when we wander away and return to him, how much he delights to receive us back. He says that we are called. Isaiah 45, 4, he says, I have even called you by your name. When we just take that quick look through scripture, and that's just the tip of the iceberg, but when we see the value that he places on our life, on our heart, on our future, we won't hesitate to willingly and gladly surrender our lives to him. So take some time in your life, not only to understand who he is, what the Bible says about him, what his nature is, what his names mean, but also take some time to see what the Bible says about how he sees you, his love for you, his compassion for you, his mercy upon your life, his goodness to you. And once you have clarity to those things, it is so much easier to willingly surrender our lives completely to him. Eric always talks about the things we hold on to are really like a pile of worthless pebbles. And God asks us to lay those pebbles down at his feet so that he can give us in return a truckload of priceless jewels. For some reason, we think our pebbles are so valuable, but compared to the riches of his kingdom, compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus our Lord, as Paul says, we should quickly and easily count everything else as rubbish in light of that privilege. Some of the key areas that God asks us to surrender to him would be relationships, romantic relationships, the hope of marriage, a current relationship maybe that you're in. If you're married, the desire to have your spouse with you for 50 years, just constantly laying that down. Even those good and perfect gifts that God gives us always need to be freshly surrendered back to him. Our family, the same thing, good and perfect gift from God, but always being willing to surrender them back to him. Our hopes for the future, our reputation, our friends, our vision for what we've always envisioned for our life, laying those things down, our health, our finances, our our circumstances. A lot of us hold on to, well, I have to live in this place, in this house, and this is how my life has to look. Are we willing to lay all of that at his feet and say, Lord, do with me what you will? 
There are a lot of fears that come up when we contemplate surrendering these areas to God. And like I said, the enemy loves to paint twisted and warped pictures of what is going to happen when we surrender our life to Christ. So one of the biggest ones would be surrendering the desire to be married in your single years. That's something I struggled with. That's that's something I know so many single women struggle with. And it's so important to face that fear of loneliness head on and gain God's perspective on it because the fear of loneliness is usually what prevents us from surrendering things like hope of a romantic relationship or our reputation or our popularity, etc. The enemy paints pictures of loneliness that are designed to scare us and lead us to make foolish and emotional decisions and to cling to people instead of clinging to Jesus Christ. But remember, the enemy's pictures are the opposite of what God intends to do in our lives when we are surrendered to him. And that has comforted me many times because the enemy will paint these dismal pictures and then I can come right back with, but if my life is in God's hands, I know that it's the opposite of what the enemy is telling me right now. Because even if God asks us to walk through challenging things, what the enemy leaves out is the amazing grace, the enabling power, the consolation, the comfort, the nearness of his presence, all of the things that he gives us. Because when you look at the lives of Christians who have suffered tremendously, but they've remained in that place of surrender, the presence of God was so near, the heavenly riches they gained were so precious that they wouldn't even trade that season of suffering. I've shared this before, but I wanted to just freshly look at this moment from Amy Carmichael's life. She was a young missionary in Japan, and God was asking her to surrender her desire to be married, but she was very fearful about the future. And this is what she wrote. I went away to a cave in a mountain called Arima in Japan. I felt many feelings of fear about the future. That is why I went there. I wanted to be alone with God. The devil kept on whispering, it's all right now, but what about afterwards? You are going to be very lonely. And he painted pictures of loneliness, I can see them still. Then I turned to my God in a kind of desperation and said, Lord, what can I do? And he said, none of them that trusted me shall be desolate. That word has been with me ever since. It has been fulfilled to me. It will be fulfilled to you. Only live for him who redeemed you and trust him to take care of you. And he will. And one thing I find so interesting about that statement is that she was in her elderly years when she wrote that story down, but she remembered so vividly as a young woman in her 20s going away to that cave in Japan and the pictures the enemy was painting in her mind. And yet when she freshly surrendered this area of her life to Christ and she totally trusted him with it, she said she was never lonely. She was never desolate. All of those pictures the enemy painted never came to pass. In fact, God did the opposite in her life. She never married in the classic sense, but she had hundreds of children that called her mother, and she was never lonely ever again when she walked in that perfect will of God for her life. There's also a moment from Darlene Diver's life that I've mentioned before on this podcast, but she's talking about the moment when she first got put into solitary confinement, and I can't even imagine the loneliness she must have felt. She had lost her husband, she had lost everything, and now she's on death row in a Japanese Kempeitai prison awaiting death. And she described it this way. When the guard opened the door of my cell, he got a hold of me and he slammed me into that cell. I hit the other side and I turned around quickly and came back to the door and dropped on my knees. I was watching the end of that key because I knew that when it made a complete revolution, I was locked in death row. And then I realized I was singing. It was a song I had learned as a little girl in Sunday school. Fear not, little flock, whatever your lot. He enters all rooms, the doors being shut. He never forsakes, he never is gone. So count on his presence in darkness and dawn. 
and I counted on his presence. I don't know if you can understand what I'm saying, but that cell on death row became my sanctuary, and God was there with me. I wasn't fighting against those walls. How truly it was written, iron bars do not imprison me, and I learned experientially about the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Are we willing to surrender the fear of loneliness, knowing that he will meet each and every one of our needs for comfort and companionship in his own perfect time and way? Again, a lot of times it's not the vices in our life that God asks us to surrender, but the good and perfect gifts like marriage and family and those kinds of things that God does bring into our life that he says, are you willing to give them back to me? In her book, Tramp for the Lord, Corey Ten Boom wrote about a conversation that she had with a middle-aged single missionary who was lonely and very bitter about being single. She wrote this, one evening while we were alone in her little home, she confessed her bitterness and resentment over being unmarried. Why have I been denied the love of a husband, children, and a home? Why is it that the only men who ever paid any attention to me were married to someone else? Long into the night, she poured out her poison of frustration. I looked across the little table at the bitter woman in front of me. Her face was furrowed. Her eyes were hard with resentment, I sensed she was trying to run away from her frustrations. Many single women think that marriage is the one thing that will bring them true happiness, and many married women think that their spouse being a certain way is the one thing that will bring them true happiness. But Corey explained that marriage is not the key one way or the other to happiness. She said, sadly, there are some of God's children who go to the mission field to escape the pain of not having a husband. I know others back home who spend every evening away from their families attending Christian meetings because they are unhappy and frustrated in their marriages. Work, even Christian work, can become a wrong hiding place. Now, this is a very common story. It seems that the enemy is always trying to get us to believe that the grass is greener somewhere else, and if this would just change, or we could just get married, or if our circumstances or our family life would change, that's when we would really be happy, and we go looking for contentment in something outside of Christ and outside of where he's assigned us to be. But Corey Ten Boom summarized this problem by saying this, marriage is not the answer to unhappiness. Happiness can only be found in a balanced relationship with the Lord Jesus. Marriage and family are amazing gifts from God, but if we look to marriage or the hope of marriage as a secret to our happiness, we are going to be disappointed. Human love will always fall short of the perfect satisfaction that Christ can bring to our souls. So are we willing to surrender the fear of loneliness to him, to allow him to do with our lives as he sees fit? And so many of you listening to this podcast are in different seasons of life, and God is pinpointing different areas for one person than another person to surrender. If you're single, he might be asking you to surrender that desire to be married, not because he wants to keep you single, but because he wants to remain your all in all, or maybe he is asking you, like Amy Carmichael, to give up marriage completely because he has a different path for you. Are you willing to hold that with an open hand? If you are married or if you are in a ministry or if you're surrounded by friends, maybe he's calling you to go elsewhere and to do something new, something different, take a step of obedience that's outside of your comfort zone and the enemy's painting fear of loneliness or failure or whatever it is. And I know that is something that is very familiar to me. Every time God asks me to step out of my comfort zone into a new realm of ministry or obedience, the enemy is right there with his version of what's going to happen. Are you willing to lay that at the feet of Jesus, knowing that his plans for you are good to give you a hope and a future as you fully surrender to him? 
Are we willing to surrender all of the other good gifts that God gives us, all of the godly desires that we have, making sure that Jesus Christ himself is always our chief desire, the one that we seek after, the one that we hunger for above anything else? In summary, when we know who Christ is and who we are in Christ, surrendering to him will not be difficult because when we know him, we trust him and he is a good God. Whatever area of your life God is freshly touching on to surrender, remember this, you can never be safer or more secure or more fulfilled or more satisfied than when he has access to every part of your life, your hopes, your dreams, and your future. He is good and he is worthy of our everything. I hope you've enjoyed this week's episode. If you'd like to go deeper into living a fully surrendered life, I encourage you to visit us at setapart.org and look at the many resources and online courses and articles that we have for you there, which can take these truths even deeper. I pray you have a blessed and Christ-centered week.